Good morning. Can you hear me okay? All right. Glad this microphone is working. Well, welcome to week three. We're in the, the silver metal week this week. This one is a big one. It's joy. And if you are just joining us, I want to say welcome. And I hope that this morning brings you joy. We, uh, I want to just say, um, my name is Mike Milner, as Brad introduced me. Um, I'm the missions pastor here at Our Lord's Community Church. And our, we, our vision is that we would be a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. And the word formation is a call to maturity. It's to become like Christ. And Galatians 4.19 describes it like this. And Paul is speaking about the church. He's saying, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see, the Holy Spirit is at work in us As we cooperate with him, we change. We are transformed and Jesus is uh, seen and is more visible in us. I spoke with a friend recently who recently became a Christian and he told me that one of the reasons that he was persuaded that God was real was because his friend, who is a Christian, um, had something that he didn't have. He saw something in her that wasn't her, that he now understands to be Jesus. You see, Jesus becomes visible to people through our lives when we embrace the call to become mature. As a church family, as we embrace the call to maturity, Jesus becomes more visible. You know, and as we absorb these themes of Advent, as we take on board the hope and the peace and the joy and the love, Christ is formed in us and we display his likeness to the world. Advent is the great announcement. It's the proclamation the king is here and his kingdom has come with him. There is now hope for our lives and the world. There is a miracle working peace that is existence and can be known. There's a joy that leaps over sadness and there is a love that breaks down walls that is being released through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And you know, as today as we focus on joy, I believe that God wants us to be a community of people with irrepressible joy. Jesus wants to form joy in us, in our inmost being, that we would discover that, as Psalm 16 says, verse 11, in God's presence there's fullness of joy. And as uh, Nehemiah 8.10 says, it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. Rick Warren, who's a pastor in California, defines joy like this. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is gonna be okay, all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. You know, and as we look at joy this morning, as we consider Advent joy, there are really, joy comes in two packages. Yes, Christmas pun for you, two packages. Just make, it's good, thanks for laughing, appreciate that, that's good. The first kind of joy that comes is from the obvious delight in something that's wonderful. You know, it's like when you open a Christmas present from your kids and it isn't a pair of socks. (laughs) No, wait, that is what I asked for this year. So, like, when does that happen? I remember, like, I asked for socks this year for Christmas. Can you believe I asked for socks? I remember being eight or nine years old and my dad getting socks for Christmas and I just was looking at him like, what a terrible present. Who wants socks for Christmas? And yet here I am, 44, and suddenly the pinnacle of Christmas morning for me is a pair of good socks. Man alive. Okay, I digress. But you know, there is that. There is the obvious expression of joy 
that we experience when something happens and it's wonderful. But you know, there is a second kind of joy that we can know of. And Advent is, 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 is significant in that it speaks of something that is more, it's different. It's a kind of joy that is found when all is not going according to plan. Maybe when life throws you a curveball, and yet somehow in the middle of it, there is this deep sense of, it is well with my soul. And as we read Matthew 11, the verses two through 11 passage, we see how both types of joy are required. So let's read this together. I'm reading from the NIV version here. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are kings in palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The, the passage here in Matthew gives us this picture, a very clear picture of the kingdom now and not yet. Meaning by that, that Jesus is amongst us, but he's not fully established his kingdom. And it provides a framework for us to understand why joy is both the clear and obvious kind and is also much more than that. In these verses, Jesus illustrates that there is a great joy to be known now, but there is also another kind of joy that can be found in the not yet. Jesus' message to his cousin in prison was one of, can you live in the tension? Can you embrace the struggle? and recognize how to celebrate others' breakthrough while you wait for yours. If you see in verses two and three, it says this, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And that word in the Greek, someone else, refers to someone different or another type. You can feel the weight of John's question here. And we'll get onto some of the good news that Jesus gave him in a minute, but you can feel it. This is John, his cousin. This is, John and Jesus grew up together. They, they knew each other. John prophesied about Jesus. John baptized Jesus. He knew who this, this was something special going on here with Jesus. And when he's hearing these reports and he's seeing what's happening, he's getting these news, he's, the thought is, you're the Messiah. You're the promised Messiah. And yet I'm in prison. See, John knew his scriptures. He knew that what was prophesied about the Messiah. And one of those things was the captives would be set free. And he's in prison. So you feel the weight of John's predicament. You know, some scholars suggest that John was in prison for over a year when this occurred. So this was not a temporary setback for John. You know, his question was understandable. And I don't know about you, but I feel the compassion for John in his question. There's, there's doubt that's lingering in him and he's questioning the place that he's at. He's, he's trying to understand what is going on here. 
But it's not because of ignorance. He knows that Jesus is doing amazing things. These news, this news is coming back to him. He's questioning because he's in jail and others are being healed and delivered and rescued. John's predicament was that the king and his kingdom was here, but he was still in prison. John was seeing firsthand that Jesus' kingdom was going to be established in a different manner to the one he expected, the now but not fully yet. I want to ask us this morning, have you ever been in a season of expectation, maybe of great expectations, and you've had a setback? There's been something that's come that has just hit pause on what you thought was going to happen. The tension we live with as believers is not uncommon for the people of God. John Wimber, who led the Vineyard Movement, saw God heal many people, as well as mobilize a whole generation of people in Holy Spirit ministry. And the fact is that we're sat here today in the good of what we know because of John Wimber and many like him. But when he started out praying, he he recounted that he prayed for over 100 people before he saw one person healed. Wimber learned to live in the tension of the times, at times watching others around him having successes, but not seeing it himself. Even when he began to experience this, he still had to live with the tension of the kingdom yet now, but not fully yet, in his life and others. And John's question to Jesus, are you the one, it echoes in our hearts, doesn't it? It it, it resounds in our hearts because for every story that we hear of breakthrough, of good things happening, of God changing lives, we're faced with the family member or the friend who lives under the weight of cancer or depression or loneliness. The question that John and ultimately we have to answer is that remains for us today is what will we do with the tension of the now and not yet? Well, let's look for a moment at the good news of Jesus, of what he said to John initially, and then we'll come to that question. Jesus replied in John 4, in, sorry, in Matthew 4, Jesus, verse 4, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So there is, there is great joy going on right now. This is, this is unprecedented times for the people. Um, and Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's, he's seeing these things happening and he's reporting back to John. He's saying, look, these things are happening. Great joy is being released on the earth. And you know, for the last 2,000 years, this great joy has been plundering the planet. And two billion people today profess that they have this joy, that they know this joy. And that doesn't even include those who came before us. You know, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of joy. Heaven is not going to be a quiet place. In case you were wondering, you're thinking, my life's been busy and noisy, get to heaven, it's not going to be a quiet place. There's going to be a lot of people. You know, the promise to Abraham about the sand on the seashore, that his inheritance, that the the kingdom of God, the people of God would be innumerate, unable to count. There's this incredible joy that people are being caught up with. Not just the joy of people in heaven, but there's the demonstrations of that. There's the healing, there's the miracles, there's justice being established. And that is really joy as we understand it. That's package one. That is the obvious joy that we get to see. And I just asked Kay to come and share something about... um, just take a minute, and this is a, an amazing story which to me just really illustrates what God is doing right now here with us about great joy. And uh, Kay, thanks for coming. Come on up. Um, just, uh, 
just tell us uh, briefly what happened with you um, recently as you were out. Well, Doris Miller and I were, were out on outreach one morning, and um, <clears throat> we were really impressed that the Lord wanted us to encounter somebody on the bread aisle. And uh, we were late starting, and uh, so anyway, it made us late ending, and at, we felt like there was one more person so we went down the bread aisle again, and there wasn't anybody until we turned around and came back, and there was a woman lifting, you know, some bread into her basket. So we knew that was the one that we had waited for. Um, and so we went up, and we asked her and, and introduced ourselves and said, you know, we are just out praying for people. Do you have any anything that you need prayer for this morning? And she... We, as we looked at her, her lip was quivering, her chin was quivering, and she turned to us and said, yes, I tried to commit suicide two weeks ago, and I, you know, I lost so much blood, they almost could not revive me. But, uh, and then she held her, her uh, arm out, and underneath these two angel wings um, was the deep cut. Um, and, you know, it took a lot to staples to get her back together, but, you know, here she was. And, uh, you know, we immediately uh, began to tell her the story that we were not supposed to be here at this time, but we are, and that God saw you and he wanted to be real to you mm -hmm. and encounter you with two strange women, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to pray for you. Mm. And um, she was yeah. undone, we were undone, <laughs> um, and we were able at that time to minister and, and pray hope and resurrection life over mm. her, new mm. life, mm. and um, Doris was able to break shame off of her. Mm. And um, she, she did a, go to a church uh, a week afterwards with a friend mm. to a women's ministry. Mm. She... Um, is reading the Gospel of John, which we mm. really had asked her to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, good. you know, it, at that moment in Walmart became a very holy place. Yeah. Um, and a very, uh, un, you know, yeah. common place, actually. Yeah. So it was like, we were just like, I mean, it just takes a moment to realize, yeah. you know, how tender the love of God is, yeah. how much he wants to search out the one, mm. and that he wants to really be real yeah. in, in a powerful way. So it's powerful both ways. Actually. Yeah. Thanks, Kay. Thank you. It's really, really encouraging. I think what's powerful to me about that is that uh, there was this sense of the, the lady being seen by God and knowing in that moment that God saw her and cared about meeting her in that moment, which is just powerful, and that God meets us where we are. I'm just so proud of Kay and others who are doing stuff like that. But there's an example to us of the great joy that is available right now, the kingdom now. It's not just something that we look forward to, um, which when the kingdom will come in its fullness, but it is a, there is an expectation that God is with us. He's right here, right now, and he's doing things. You know, the second um, aspect of joy, the second package of Advent joy, um, focuses in on the kingdom which is not yet, which is the kind of joy that can be experienced while we live in the tension, while we wait for the fulfillment of the kingdom. 
And you know, it's amazing. Um, Jesus' comments to John, you know, he really gets John. He understands it, but he, he calls him out and he says, hey, cousin, I know you're hurting, but guard your heart from, off it, from offense. And we'll just look at this in a moment. You'll see the words that he says to him. Um, verse six there, he talks about how there is this, um, do not, blessed is those who don't stumble on account of me. And he's not ignorant of John's situation. But John is in a crucible moment. John is in a moment when he's waiting in prison. And really in those days, you were waiting for one of three things when you were in prison. You were either waiting for a hearing, you were waiting for sentencing, well, you could be freed, I guess freed. You were waiting for sentencing or you were waiting to be executed. And you know, John was a man who had been used by God really powerfully. He'd seen some wonderful things taking place from his ministry. Um, And yet he's in this moment when he's beginning to wonder, doubt is challenging him. He's uh, facing the question, And he's feeling the question of, is Jesus really the Messiah? Did I get this right? And you can hear almost the words of the enemy in that question, can't you? It's like, did God really say? You know, it's the echoes of what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, Jesus has a word for him in that place though, which is not an easy one. And it actually preceded John's death. But he said, John, look at the fruit, but don't let offense or doubt take hold of your heart. And it's so easy, I think, in the places when life doesn't go in the way that we want it to go and we have these hopes and expectations about what God will do with our lives and somehow it doesn't quite turn out. And in that place, it's a vulnerable place because we risk, don't we, when we trust God. We risk to trust that he's gonna work things out in a certain way. And when they don't happen, there's this you, this empathy that we can see, with, we can feel for John, which is, what am I going to do with that question now? John didn't see the fulfillment of his life in a way that perhaps he anticipated. But yet Jesus' comment, Jesus' word to him is, blessed is he who does not stumble on account of me. He's saying to him, there's a blessing, there is, there is something there that you can receive in that place. And I just want to ask us this morning, have you, um, has offense or doubt found a place in your heart? Have you been distracted by unanswered prayers in your own life and stopped seeing what God is doing around you? Have you lost some joy and celebrating other people's victories has just become a bridge too far? And just as we finish up here, I want to give a couple of things just as a way of encouraging us to think about what do we do in that place? How do we respond when we find ourselves living with the stuff going on around us that's joyful, but yet somehow we're wrestling with the I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I want to see? Well, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Practice celebrating other people's victories. Celebrate the stories of what God is doing around you, even if it's not happening in your life in the way that you want it to. There is something about saying, God, I'm going to thank you and praise you for what you're doing through Kay and other people in Walmart, even if I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I want. I know I'm living with this tension. A good friend of mine is going through a really hard season right now, and there's a lot of prayer going on, but we're not seeing the change that we want to see. And I'm asking God, like, this isn't beyond you, God. Why is this not changing? And yet there's something about, I, I, there's a place of trust that it requires me to go, I'm gonna set that there and I'm gonna praise you for this breakthrough moment that happened in Walmart this week or whatever the example is that you see of God doing. 
So that's one thing. Practice that. Practice. I remember just, this is kind of sound like a silly example, but even go to the point where you are like commanding your body to do something exuberant to celebrate. There's something about when you force yourself to worship when you're not feeling like it and you choose to step in, something powerful happens and gets released. I remember the first time that I, when we were at church in England and we were seeking God for breakthrough and praying for people and seeing healing. And that was something that we just never seen. When we got a first testimony, somebody standing up the front saying, prayed for this lady on a train and her shoulder got healed. I remember Simon Holly, who led the church, who leads the church, he, he stood up on his feet and he's like, yes! And he's like clapping and then we're all sat down like, this is not very British, Simon, what are you doing? Like, you know, and he just said afterwards, he said, I knew I could not let that go without taking a moment to tell myself, I've got to celebrate this. And there's something that gets released inside of us when we intentionally choose to praise and worship, even when it's hard to do. The second thing, um, sometimes there can be offenses that creep in. We feel a sense of injustice. Why did this happen for this person? Why is this not happening for me? That doesn't seem right. You know, maybe there's a situation in your life where you can just tell there's this, uh, there's a grating, there's like an offense, there's a sense of injustice. And um, Jesus' invitation to John was, um, essentially, will you give your offense to me? Will you let go of your offense? Will you not stumble on account of me and the way that I'm doing things? And the great joy that's available in that place is actually that Jesus gives us his presence because there's, a, there's an exchange that we can experience that when we're willing to give up the things that we want on our terms, that God gives us something back in, in place of that. There is a joy, there is a strength, there's his presence. You know, Psalm 16, 11 says there is joy, there is the fullness of joy in his presence. So there is a, a miraculous exchange that Jesus can do with you that means you have joy. You may not have the answer to the prayer or the change in circumstance, but there is a joy that you can know in that place. And I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you this morning, even as we transition now and take communion together, there's, a, there's an opportunity to meet with Jesus. There's an opportunity to give him the struggle. Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe there's a family member who's sick. Maybe there's a struggle with finances. Maybe there's a sense of being overlooked in your place of work or in your family or even here in this church community. Maybe there's a sense of being frustrated, of not being able to do the things that you really want to do and feel called to do. Whatever it might be, there's a promise today that if you give your offense, if you give those things to Jesus, you release them to him and say, I want this kingdom of yours on your terms. There's great joy that he promises to give us. So I'm going to ask Brock to come up and uh, he's going to lead us into a time of communion. Um, and I'll just pray for us if that's all right. Um, as we go into this time. And I want to encourage you, I just sense that, why don't you just pray with me for a moment here. If you know that there's, if you know that there's um, a sense of being offended or life just not working out the way that you thought it was going to be, I just encourage you now just to recognize that um, in God's presence and bring it to him. Just acknowledge it with him. And as you come and as you take communion this morning, um, take a moment to relinquish that to him. Release forgiveness to, if someone has caused offense, if someone has harmed you or done you wrong, 
bless the person that perhaps you see who's having favor and you're not. And let him bring joy to you. Jesus, we ask that you would release your joy in our hearts this morning, a joy that strengthens us, a joy that um, <laughs> means we experience your presence in new ways. And the second thing, I, just, I pray that you would give us joy that flows out of us and impacts others. And I pray that you would multiply um, the stories that we've heard from Kay this morning. I pray that you would multiply what's happening in our midst, that many would encounter your joy in this Advent season. In Jesus' name.